it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 208, and I had a lovely conversation with Sherry Adams. She's a matchmaker, so I thought, well, that's going to be good, especially in this day and age where suddenly all the things that we thought and felt about dating and sex and connection and communion and all that stuff is now maybe on the tilt-a-whirl because now we've got all this other level of things to think about with the with the COVID-19. But the focus of our conversation was really about the do's and don'ts of dating, how she talks with her clients, how she makes the connections, how she personally feels about love and relationship, and humans, uh, what we do sometimes to get in our own way. Hope you enjoyed this conversation. I really, I really did. We did it over FaceTime. So there may be a couple little blips in there, uh, here and there. When the sound cuts out, I did my best to, to make sure that that didn't happen. But that's what you're hearing if you hear little weird pops or something. In other news, check out Hey Human Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can go to heyhumanpodcast.com and check out the links page where I put information about every episode and every guest. You can email me, susan at Podcast. If you want to check out some of my other projects, susanruth.com is a good place to start. <laughs> and you can go to Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Susan Ruthism and find me. That's S-U-S-A-N-R-U-T-H-I-S-M. Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and spread the word. Tell people you know. Tell people you don't know. And help to grow Hey Human. I appreciate that. If you would like to donate to Hey Human, you can go to heyhumanpodcast.com and there's a donate button. Click on that button and even a dollar helps. So if you'd like to support Hey Human, consider this the drive. Woohoo! <laughs> PBS does a drive every year. I guess I do mine every week. So thank you for listening. And here we go. Matchmakers. Let's see what's up. Sherry Adams, welcome to Hey Human. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you doing in the world today? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for asking. Uh, Everything's good. I'm just working a lot, making matches, of course, and uh, trying to stay in and keep boosting my immune system. You know, I think that's really important to stay healthy. And uh, a lot of people don't talk about boosting your immunity, but I think that that's a really important part of this pandemic is just staying on top of it and eating well. What What are some of the protocols you follow? Um, well, I've been, I personally eat a lot of vegetables and, um, you know, if I get into the particulars, a very boring food like cabbage and broccoli and spinach and all the things we were taught when we were young and, uh, trying to stay away from sugar, which is so hard right now because all you want to do is like bake and do fun things and sugar is so fun. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to just stick with, with that. We've had two, <coughs> excuse me, my roommate and I both had birthdays within a couple weeks of each other. So we've had a, a couple cakes that have happened. And then for my birthday, she's very evil, and she bought me a six-pound bag of gummy bears. And I'm trying very hard to <laughs> not attack those every time I see them. Because I like that you said 
a, two, a couple of cakes have happened. Like, it's happened. I'm letting you know this occurrence. It was an event. It happened. It happened. It's it's happened, uh, and it was lovely. And <laughs> but I'm trying to put it behind me, okay? Man, oh man! Some days I just hope, I, at this point I'm so tired of the food. I I eat quite healthy as well, but it's just the monotony of it all. Yeah, um, for sure. I I didn't realize I was as social as I am. Mm-hmm. A little bit more, um, just kind of a lone wolf but I'm, I'm not as much of a lone wolf as I thought I'm, I'm pretty social and I go out well used to go out two or three times a week and I always thought oh I don't go out that much just go out a couple nights a week and I know other people are out like five or six nights a week but boy those two or three nights a week really do uh, really good for my soul they really do add to my personal welfare and like help kind of balance my you know my work-life balance and I have a lot of creative endeavors too but you know just the social part of my life has always been a little more challenging than the creative or the work part that always has seemed to come more easily for me so having the social part be kind of ripped away is uh you take it for granted and now I'm like oh my god remember the old days when we used to when I used to you know get ready remember when I used to wear pants (laughs) yeah that was that was great that was a great time pants (laughs) yeah well let's get into you you and I met at a birthday party for a mutual friend Charles yeah shout out to Charles and here in Los Angeles and uh, you said you were a matchmaker, and I thought, well, that's something. I I don't think I've ever met a matchmaker before. Sure. Uh, how long have you been doing that? It's going on four years now. Four years. And was that something you aspired to, or did you fall into it? You know, my, my best friend was doing it. She was telling me about it, and I had moved here from Chicago, and I was always a business owner and doing creative things. I'm a songwriter. I'm a comedian. So I was definitely definitely staying busy with other things but she was like you could you you'd be really good at it you can make your own hours you work from home it's got a lot of you know those are a lot of upsides that I think you would benefit from and I was like I'm not a matchmaker I'm not I'm not a person that's matching people that's like not my thing and she's like no 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 it's it is about matchmaking but it's a lot about managing expectations and coaching people and it's not just matchmaking and I I said okay and I went over to her house and watched her work for a few hours one day and I was like oh wow this really is has many facets to it. And it's not just who would be good with who it's, it is about coaching people and uh, being insightful to people about things that maybe they're not seeing and noticing patterns and kind of connecting dots for people that they might be too close to, to see on their own. When you sit down with a client, do you only do one side or are you working both sides of the clients? I'm in the match. In other words, Sure. A little bit. I would say I am. It could go either way. Sometimes both people that I'm matching are my clients. And sometimes one person is my client and I'm matching them with just who I think is a fit. That's usually how it goes because I really want to make a good match rather than, well, they're both my clients. So this will be easy. I'm not looking for the easy match. I'm looking for a good match. And that's usually takes a lot of time and searching and interviewing. So, uh, yeah, it's usually a client with a non-client most of the time. But are you pulling from a well of 
people that are already in the system of the company you work for or or with or is it yeah it, it it's a little bit of a big mixed bag i sometimes pull from my personal rolodex i'll sometimes send out a big blast on social media like hey i've got a girl and i'll describe her i'm looking for a guy who's you know insert preferences and qualities here and if anyone fits this and is in LA and looking for a girl who's in her 40s and wants to get married uh hit me up and um and then the interview kind of starts you know the interviewing process starts after that um but there are a lot of people in the database of the company I work for as well so and they're really good with filling the database with great matches and great people so when you were growing up, did you were you the girl who dreamt of her wedding, or were you the more of a party girl, or what was your mo? You know, I'm a work girl. I'm like just a workhorse. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Chicago, and I grew up pretty. I would say middle class, like lower middle class to middle class. There's so many classes now. Um, and I don't know, middle class is so big now that I just saying middle class could mean so many things these days because I feel like everyone's middle class except the top 1%. But uh, so I would say it was lower middle class, you know, single working mom. So my focus was just how do I not repeat some of these mistakes? Wait, and you, I were, just started you were or your mom was a single mom? My mom. Okay, was got, it, mom. got it. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And I had one sibling. And so my focus was to just not repeat that pattern and be a little more self-sufficient than she was because she didn't um I mean I didn't go to college either but she didn't go to college and she just was you know she was just doing odd jobs and we're going from job job to job so I wasn't a party girl and I was definitely not dreaming of getting, of getting married. I knew I didn't want kids when I was like seven years old. So for me, it was all about just staying creative, connecting people. And I feel I've always been in the, this is going to sound so like LA, I've always been in the transformation business, but I feel like I've always kind of been in the transformation business because most of my endeavors have consisted of me starting meeting a person and they're starting from one point and then I there's a transformation that happens in their brain from whatever I'm providing like music transforms there's a transformation that happens in your brain and comedy being a comedian that's a transformation with the chemicals in your brain and love does the same thing so they're all kind of releasing feel-good chemicals in your brain so I've always been a catalyst for that, I suppose, it, in some small way, I'm not in a big way, in a very small way, because the rest is up to the person to interpret it and recognize it and like it. And hopefully they like what I'm doing. Probably not always, but yeah. <laughs> Serial dater or monogamous to a fault? What was your... Um, probably, you know, in my 20s, you know, I, I would say that I've mostly have been a serial dater wasn't a big one night stander and it just I found it very easy to get boyfriends it was never hard I'm not I guess I'm not that fussy is really what it is I like I just want someone who's cool and down to earth and fun and creative and uh you know just if those things align I feel pretty good I feel pretty solid about it so as you dipped your toe into the waters of matchmaking, did it change 
I imagine the person you were when you went into it, the perspective of dating probably had quite a shift as you went along. You learned a lot about yourself and what your needs and desires were in, in, in relationship, in love, and in, even in friendship of how you interact with the world around you because of what you've seen in front of you as far as clientele. Sure. I've... It has changed me in a way that I feel a little more empathetic toward people because I've gotten to have this very interesting window into these personal, into the personal lives of people that I normally wouldn't have if you're not working so closely and intimately with people on such personal deep subjects and, you know, talking about what they want and what their preferences are and what's working and what's not. And any baggage that they're bringing from past relationships are affecting them moving forward. And I don't know if it's affected me in the way that I carry on with my relationships, but it's just made me more empathetic toward people because I am a pretty strong person and I'm not fragile in any way, but being so close to people that are fragile has just made me more in tune that that's something that I needed to work on because I didn't naturally have it. What is, you, you said something when we first started speaking that I thought was very interesting. You said that the work is is more about managing expectations. Mm-hmm. Well, go into that a bit because I think that's really interesting. I, I think that that is, it, we have this list in our brains about what we want in a partner and some lists are small, some lists are quite large. And I don't know if it's right or wrong to, that one or the other, but how do you deal with that when they come to you and say, all right, well, here's my seven-page list, you know, or here's my one-page list, or here's my one right. thing? Well, you know, it's got to be a match both ways. So right when, usually it happens right away for me when I'm, when I'm interviewing someone, I can usually tell what's going to work and what's not going to work within their list of preferences and requirements. So it has to be a match both ways. And I think that that's the biggest mistake that people make. We all have desires and preferences, but you also have to look at what am I bringing the table and is what I'm offering what the other person wants. So for example, if you're a 55-year-old guy and you're making hundred grand a year and maybe you're a little overweight but you want a 35-year-old, what are you bringing to that 35-year-old that she can't get from another 35-year-old? What, is, what are you offering her that she can't already get from someone who's closer to her age and is fit? So there's a, you know, a plus and a minus column. And I think people just kind of look at what they want rather than making the plus and minus column and looking at not only what do I want, but what am I offering to the other person? And is it realistic for me to get this? It's almost like applying for a job. You know, if, if it's, if, if, if the job ad has got five skills and you only have two of them, you don't reply to that job. You don't have what they want. 
So that's a little bit easier because it's being spelled out for you what they want. So you are, you know, it's very clear and dating isn't always clear what the other person wants in such, you know, precise terms. But that would be the biggest thing I would say that people should start doing is look at look at what you have to offer. And is it a match both ways? So the managing of expectations comes from me trying to uh, paint that picture for them a little bit clearer and say, okay, I understand that that's what you like and what you prefer and what you want. Do you think that, how, how's that working for you so far? Have you been able to get that in the past? And a lot of times people will show me pictures of people, women and men do this. They'll show me, well, here's the guys I dated in the past. And I was like, well, you were 35. Now you're 55. So that guy you both look your best. You're 35. So I don't know if I should use this picture as an example of what is going to be attainable for you to get now because these times are different. And I don't know what he looks like now or what this dude in the picture from 15 years ago is up to now. So when they do want to show me pictures of their exes, I'm like, make sure it's within the last three years, because if it's not, it's completely irrelevant. Whoever you dated in your twenties and thirties, if you're in your fifties is completely irrelevant. I'm assuming though, economics plays a big part. If, if once somebody comes to you and has uh, very many zeros in their bank account with a, with a number in front of it, not just zeros (laughs) that, (laughs) that uh, they, they get more room, they get more wiggle room. Um, you know, I feel like it's an exchange. It's always an exchange. It's not unconditional. You know, we're not just like, yeah, and anything you do is great. It's there's there's conditions and the conditions are that I am going to give you these things in exchange. I want these things and it's all a give and take. So, you know, one of the common exchanges is I'm 38. I'm beautiful. I'm thin. I'm I want to have a family and yeah, this guy is not that attractive. Yeah. He's losing his hair. Yeah. He's super overweight, but he's got millions of dollars and I will have a stable life and he will be a great father. And that's the, that's an exchange I'm willing to make. So, you know, everybody, I think kind of has to come to the realization that you often don't get 10 out of 10 even couples even coupled people are typically not getting 10 out of 10 you get 7 or 8 out of 10 and you kind of have to just be happy with that with those numbers because those are the numbers that reminds me of the scene in uh maid of honor patrick dempsey's father is on his way to get married and he you know he's like 70 at sydney pollock and in the in a limo is the bride and she's you know this voluptuous 22 year old with her lawyer and the two lawyers are doing the prenup negotiating how much sex they'll be like how much money will be you know all this stuff and I thought my god it's so transactional and it was a hilarious scene but it kind of reminds me of that how does that do you find trying to figure out how to word this do you find that men and women uh come to the table with completely different expectations or are they pretty well matched for what they're expecting? Um, let me think about that. Their men's list is shorter, 
but equally as difficult. Women's list is longer, equally as difficult. So women want funny, uh, interesting, curious. Uh, Curious is really big. Both people, both sides, men and women. I just want someone who's really curious. And what curious really means, like especially on the first three dates, curious really means just listen. Whoever talks the most is the person that has the better time on the date. Like, that is a hard and fast rule. Whoever talks the most had the better time because they felt heard and they felt like they got to be really expressive and creative and the person was really interested in them and it feels good when people want to know about you, you know? So I always tell the guy, and because typically in the girl-guy dynamic, it's the guy that, excuse me, isn't getting... Let me just start that sentence over. It's the guy that isn't getting the second date most often. Girls are getting second dates a little bit easier. So I just tell men, if you just don't talk as much, but men, and I I wrote a book about matchmaking with my partner, Amy D'Souza, who's also an amazing matchmaker. And the book is called? Um working 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 title title right now yeah Yeah, we we are editing it right now um but yeah we we came to the conclusion that we're we we started interviewing people about men in general oh now i lost my chain of thought shit Uh, we're Um, talking about uh you were saying listening skills listening skills so uh we started for my book, we started interviewing men and asking them, what do you think you, how do you, what do you think your role is on a first date? What's your role on a first date? And it was actually kind of a trick question because I was hoping they would say, I don't have a role. I'm just going to be myself and, you know, be cool and be charming like I am and be fun and listen and learn and get to know the girl or whatever their answer would be. I was hoping it would start out with, I don't have a role. But most of them answered, oh, um, yeah, my role is to be funny, to impress her, to win her. And I started thinking about the male psyche and how that's very interesting to me that they want to win. Like we're not all of them. So I don't want to seem like I'm putting all all men in a box here. Love you guys. Not not a man hater here. But I just thought that that was a super interesting uh, commonality through that, through asking like tons of men, like 30 men. and a couple of them had the right answer, which the right answer is to connect, to get to know her, to learn about her. One of the guys even said to make her feel safe, because I know that women have creepy guys all the time, making them feel unsafe. So if I can make her feel safe in a genuine way, then I know that there's trust built. And then I know that we're going to have a better connection that night. Um, and I said, how do you build trust on a first date he said just listen ask questions be genuine and not try too hard to impress her or win her over which was exactly the right answer which was contradictory to pretty much what every other guy said was which was to win her over to impress her etc um and i think that 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 approach is learned and it's been something they've been practicing for a very long time and I think it's biological to win. I mean, you know, that's a very, it, it feels very caveman and not, not in a derogatory right. way, but just in a, 
you know, see, see, girl, want girl, <laughs> you know, Tarzan right, and right. all that stuff. Yeah, it's very Animal Kingdom. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's like yeah. it's like the the male bird does the dance and That's like right. woo, like woos the girl and the female bird. So it's not so dissimilar to that. I just, but I got a kick out of that because I was like, no, you're doing it wrong. No, that's not the answer. But um, the, what happened when you asked the women the same question? Their answer was to connect, to learn about him, to discover what he's all about, to see if we have things in common. I mean, there were some answers that were a little bit on the self-serving side with women, like to see if we have things in common, to see if he'd be, you know, someone that wants to have kids and be a good provider because I want to have a family. So so there was definitely some self-serving answers, but most of it was wrapped up in, I want to connect. I want to find somebody that's going to be in alignment with how I view the world, things like that. So I thought that those were pretty acceptable answers and what I was hoping to hear. And the other thing, when I asked men, well, how do you impress her? How do you win her over? Or what do you think you do on the first date to do that? And they all said, well, tell her like how good I'm doing at work and how, how, um, just talk about my life and like where I went to school. And, and it was all very, it was so, it was so funny to me because it was like, gosh, that's such a turnoff for most girls. Like they don't, that's, that's exactly what they don't want is for you to try to impress them with over talking and oversharing and embellishing and posturing and, you know, so guys, if you're listening, (laughs) cut it out, knock it off. Uh, Is there a great uh, range to the ages of the people that seek you out? Oh, um, you know, I tend to stay between 27 and 55 from my personal preference. I, I know that in my company, there are a lot of clients that are over 55 like 60 70 there are even like yeah there's definitely seven-year-olds I'm thinking now I'm thinking of other my other matchmaker colleagues that have had seven-year-olds I've never had one um and I don't necessarily get to choose who my clients are so the sales team is funneling who they think I would do best with and that, that seems to be the demographic that they've sent my way that makes sense yeah uh, <laughs> What do you think of the social media, um, what are they called? Uh, the Tinders and the, I don't know them all, the Grinders. that's the gay Sure, gay all the apps. apps, I guess. So what, there's Tinder, there's Bumble, there's Match, there's all that. What do you think there's of Hinge. those? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I base my opinion on what most of the people that come to a matchmaker say about it, which is, it's exhausting. There's a lot of back and forth with no no end game, really. I don't know what the end game is because you're never going to meet these people. Every time I reach out and say, hey, let's meet, it's it doesn't happen. And I feel like I'm being misled. And um, so the good thing about having a matchmaker is we do the vetting for the person. We're interviewing people and we're kind of getting the tough questions out of the way. Like if someone is Christian and going to church is important and they want to have a big family, Instead of them going on a date and going, so are you Christian? Do you want to have a big family? Will you go to church with me? And having it be this interview type of date, I can just interview them and say, hey, I'm a matchmaker. Um, I've got this great girl. Tell him a little bit about her and say, let me ask you a few questions, see if you guys align on some things. And then if they if he doesn't, I'm like, okay, these were her must-haves, her non-negotiables. So I'm just going to move on because I don't think he's a good fit for her. So um, I think that, yeah, there's a lot of 
wasting time on the dating apps, according to popular opinion. Do you also uh, have homosexual couples and transgender couple, and and is it mostly heterosexual couples that you work with? What I've I've had a few, uh, not transgender, um, but I've had a few um, gay couples, and I don't see much of a difference. I mean, everybody wants to be wildly attracted to the person they're with and <laughs> connection mm-hmm. and stability and there's slight variations like some people want someone christian or some people want someone creative and but at the end of the day i think everyone is looking for the same and i hate to simplify it or undermine anyone's preference list but i think everyone's looking for the same thing you know everyone wants someone who's kind and sincere and genuine uh stable attractive to them whatever that means comes from a good family things like that so funny is always good no one's like i want someone boring not interesting and has no money i mean no one wants that so (laughs) you know like we all want kind of relatively the same thing (laughs) how do you think dating uh, will change with this pandemic well i think there's there's some upsides to video dating actually a lot of my clients are video dating some have gone on pause because they just want to wait this out they some people think it's only going to be well some people already thought it was going to be only a couple weeks and now it's we're in like week what are we in week five or something i think it's year four (laughs) (laughs) uh so you know i i don't know when we're going to get out of this but there are people that are just willing to wait it out and that's cool. It's, it's a personal preference and I'm on board with any, whatever my clients want. I'm like, yeah, let's pause you. It's cool. Um, but the ones that are diving into the virtual dating are finding it to be better in a lot of ways because there's no distractions. There's no, you know, men get judged, men get disqualified very quickly on dates and they get, judged on little things like when we walked into the restaurant did he hold the door open did he let me go first when i got up to go to the bathroom did he stand up with me when the appetizers came did he defer to me to take the first bite or did he go in and take the first bite and when the tip when the waitress came did he ask me what kind of wine i wanted and when the bill came did he immediately grab for the bill or did he wait for me was there a weird pause was he expecting me to pay there's all these expectations that that are on the guy. So I feel bad for the guys because they're going, we're both, we're all going on dates, the guy and the girl. And it's always a leap of faith in the roll of the dice, whether it's on video date, whether it's a matchmaker or whether it's on an app, it's, it's always a roll of the dice a little bit, but the guy I think has a, a little worse because he's got, everything's on him. He's got to just, you know, did he walk her to her car? Did he did he pay for her valet? Like the list goes on. Women are like, well, he walked me to my car and we both valeted. But then when the valet guy came, he didn't pay for me. And I was like, were you expecting him to pay for your valet? Like, okay, yeah, that would have been really nice, but it's a first date. And in my case, it's a first date blind date. Like he went on a date, not knowing what you looked like, not knowing anything about you, but a bunch of bullet points that I told him and he trusts me. So that's why he went out with you. But to expect that after a first date blind date is a little presumptuous. But they always you don't see each other, right? They you, no, oh. it is. They don't see each other at all. They it's truly a are a blind date. Wow, it's a real blind date. Yeah. And so what is my, the reasoning for that? Well, I think that people will 
pass people by so quickly and just swipe left on someone that doesn't if they're not an eight to a 10, people are swiping left on sixes and sevens. And there's a lot of sixes and sevens out there that once you get to know them, they will be an eight for you. They will be hotter to you after two seconds of talking to them. So the lack of imagination of just looking at someone for more than two seconds and going, hmm, he could be really, he's kind of cute. Okay, he's not super hot or she's kind of pretty. She's attractive. She's got a cute smile. Oh, look, she's with a horse. Oh, she, look, she's, you know, traveling and she looks sure. fun and she's eating a taco. I like tacos. Like, I go from a four to a solid five and a half in real life. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I just, I feel like blind dating is taking the uh, the expectation of, everyone has to be an eight or I'm not even going to go out with them. I'm not going to even give them a chance. They're not going to get in the same room with me. So that's what I think the benefit is of blind dating. And I've, you know, I have people that have gotten married and people living together. I mean, it is successful. It does work. So, um, and you know, if you're been, if you've been dating a long time and you're not having success, maybe outsource it. You know, can I swear? You betcha. Outsource that shit, man. Outsource that shit. You're not good at it. You're not having a good track record with dating. Outsource it. Get a matchmaker. Get your friends to set you up. Just put yourself out there and go, hey, guys, I've been single for seven years now. I have not had a more than a six-month relationship in 10 years. I definitely need a dating assistant at this point so you know um the friends matching you it can be tricky because i find i've been set up on dates with friends back in in nashville and it always made me laugh because they'd set me up with guys they would go out with guys that look like their husbands or boyfriends that are not my type and i'm not (laughs) no 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 you wanted to go out with this person (laughs) you're like no (laughs) um so, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of benefits to blind dating, um, but it is, there is like a letting go of the wheel, relinquishing control. You have, you do have to trust the person that is matching you. And if it's not what you want, um, you know, it's just a date. It's not a big deal. It's not the end of the world. If you go on a blind date and it's the person isn't like what happened to you it was like okay wasn't your type and you told your friend thank you but I just didn't feel a spark and you kind of move on so uh yeah how much is it to match make what kind of numbers are we talking in the matchmaking world I've seen it wild swings with the price point it could be anywhere from like 300 a match to ten thousand dollars a match it's really all over the map wow ten thousand dollars extraordinary but I mean, I suppose if you've been yeah. dating your whole life and to no avail and unhappy that it's a small, small price to pay, I guess, for long lasting happiness. Yeah, you know, for sure. It's like how you want to, what's important to you and how, how do you want to spend your money and yeah, all that. How do you prep the, the I know we talked a little bit about uh, girls and their expectations, but how do you prep uh, the women for if they are if they're wildly excited and or if they're disappointed, is there any protocol or? If they are one of those things and the other person on the other end isn't, is that what you mean? Yes. Like if it's not a match both ways? Yeah, you know, I, 
I think that most of the people that I'm matching, I'm prepping them for that possibility beforehand. I'm like, look, this is dating is a numbers game. If you have three, they can buy packages of three, six, and 12 in uh, the company that I work for. And um, if they have three matches, I'm like, you know, we may just be getting started once we get to two and three matches. Like it's, it's a numbers game. It's going to take, it could take a while for you to get all or half or most of your boxes checked and for you to feel enough to want to keep seeing the person. So I don't think there's as much disappointment because I think I've done the prep work prior to the date, just letting them know that it's a numbers game and everyone is in the same boat. Everyone is going on many, many, many dates before they find what they want. Do you have any stories you can impart? Maybe like a success or a failure, either way or both. Um, you know, the success stories are, I have like three people that are getting married and most of this and, and, uh, like several, like seven or eight people that are living together. And most of those stories are boring (laughs) because it's just, they met and it's, it's one of two scenarios. They met and they moderately liked each other on the first date and then it grew or it was fireworks from the get-go and they knew that they had found their forever person and they were off to the races so it's either one of those scenarios um the the stories of the the people that didn't have it work out are much more interesting but um you know just just the, the things that i find interesting about dating is the the idiosyncrasies and the things that people focus on which is what i was saying about the virtual dating is so much better because you don't focus on the nuance of all of the ways that women can disqualify men is is not on the table when you do a virtual date it is literally about did i like the person did i connect with them was i engaged was he interesting did I like him? And that's all you should be thinking about after a first date. Did I like him? Did I like her? Would I go out with him or her again? Not, well, she didn't, you know, the way I didn't like the way she walked and the way she got up and went to the bathroom in the middle of dinner. I didn't like how he didn't pay or I didn't like, like all of those things are things that you can work on. Like if you don't like that about someone, that's not a life view to me. That's like, I mean, some people would argue if the guy doesn't pay, it is a life view because it means he doesn't view women the same way she does. But it's something that can be talked about like, hey, you know, we've gone out like three or four times now. And I noticed that each time you're waiting for me to pick up the bill, is that something that's important to you? Can we talk about it? And why is it important? And what does it mean to you? And um, so I think that, you know, the communication is super super important even on a first date when everyone's super awkward and they don't want to seem over eager or it's like it's the representative i talk about this all the time that people on dates send the representative and usually the representative sticks around about six months and then lets the actual person show up and and it's such a shame because the truth of it is if i have a quirk or if I behave a certain way and you don't like that, then, you know, we should we should know that from the start and vice versa. If there's something about you that I don't like or is weird. And if I don't 
if I don't come right out and say, hey, that seems like this to me is this the way it is, um, if you can't, ha firstly, if you can't have those conversations, you're probably in trouble in the long run anyway, mm -hmm. because it means you're afraid to, A, be yourself, and B, you're afraid that uh, if you're yourself, the other person won't like you, and then there's a whole other, like, that's a whole stratosphere of issue. You, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point that you're touching on, that, um, that I hear a lot of men say about women, I did not see her soft, feminine, vulnerable side. So it's, and men, what women say is he was posturing, he was trying to impress, which is another way of saying he wasn't vulnerable. So the masculine not being vulnerable and the feminine not being vulnerable are still, you know, not being vulnerable. So both sides are saying the same thing in their own way in in their own, the way that they're going to express it is different. But at the end of the day, it just means neither side were being vulnerable and being genuine. So yeah, I would say that being completely vulnerable without oversharing is and that is where the fine line and where it gets tricky because you want to be upfront and you want to be transparent to a degree, but you don't want to give too much on the first couple of dates because the fact of the matter is not everyone is worthy of your truth. Not everybody is has the context of and the nuance of you to fully take that truth and understand it in the complexities of everything that that truth means to you and what you went through to get to that truth and all the things that surround whatever that truth is. So if that truth is, um, I just went through a divorce and my ex-wife is a bitch and, you know, we're not on good terms. All she's going to hear is, Oh, I don't, all I know about him is that he's a banker and he's cute and he's handsome and that he hates his ex-wife. Well, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go out with him again. Instead of like, he really tried in that marriage. He was all in. She has mental illness. She's, he, they went to counseling. He initiated the counseling. He did everything. And besides, he, if he did get into all that, then it would be worse because you're not supposed to know all that in a first date. Now you're his therapist and nobody, <laughs> so like, you mm. just can't overshare. So I always tell people, just be vulnerable without going into negative town and going too far into things that they are not worthy of hearing because they're going to color whatever you say from Men their own them. yeah from their yes. own from lens. their own perspective yeah. their own baggage their own experiences and not based on your context because they haven't known you for three years they didn't go to college with you you're not their friends unless you know they are a friend of your friend but if you have no other context other than an app or you just met them for the first time or second time you just don't have enough information so i think being patient too is a big deal people want to fast track things so hard and it's like you can't fast track it it's it has to be organic you can't you can't pull a flower from the ground because you want it to grow you have to just like let it alone water it let it hang out in the sun come back in a few days check on it you know so absolutely vulnerability and nuance those are two very important things in any relationship i think Yes. I love that. And you described it so beautifully. Uh, oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. I, uh, I also feel with the oversharing, and this is something that was definitely like a big epiphany for me that I would never have discovered if I wasn't a matchmaker, that 
your fail your your triumphs your triumphs become failures in other words if you if you tell someone i've been sober sober for 20 years they don't go oh my god you've been sober 20 years that's great you've overcome a lot you're disciplined you're a survivor they go why did you have a drinking problem to begin with what's wrong with you so it's not something you want to share on a first date even though it's a triumph it's going to be viewed as a failure most likely um same thing with i lost 50 pounds it's not oh my god you lost 50 pounds the self-discipline the that's amazing it's going to be why did you need to lose 50 pounds what was going on in your life that you were so out of control what's what's happening so you know it's a fine line everyone has to be really careful with what they share and you might think something's super positive and great and it's like no that wasn't so positive unfortunately what do you think is the best the worst thing about dating in 2020 other than a virus obviously but let's take the virus out of it let's just say we're blithely unawares <laughs> yeah let's let's try that for a sec let's go in the wayback machine to, to february man to january exactly um i think the worst thing about dating is probably gosh there's a couple but i think what is all-encompassing for me is just the options how many options people think they have not how many options they actually have they think they have all these options because they're looking online and they're watching TV and they're looking at everything that's bombarding them in the world. And they think, well, I can have all that. I just haven't found the right one. When the actuality is you really can't have all of them because probably what you want and what she wants is not the same. That going back to the 50 year old guy who wants the 35 year old girl, she probably doesn't want you. I mean, and if you're 50 and you haven't dated a 35-year-old girl since you were 35, she does not want you, and that's why you don't have her. So, you know, or a girl who is in, I mean, let's use a female example, a girl who's 45, and she wants a 38-year-old, and she's a little out of shape, and she's um, looking for a guy who is super buff, and he's seven years younger. That guy doesn't want you. Most likely, that guy does not want you. So just uh but she feels that she has all these options because guys are hitting her up on you know insert app name here but it's like well and i i hear women saying this all the time like i get lots of younger guys hitting on me i'm like yeah they'll sleep with you certainly yeah of course they will but if you want more than that which it sounds like you do then you have to really look at the big picture here so i think people think they have so many options when it's a pretty small pool that they actually have to choose from. And that's not a bad thing. It's just about getting more focused on what's important to you. And gosh, I guess if I really were to say, I, you know, I always look at, I know people want to be, people want to be wildly attracted to the person and they just want to feel butterflies and the chemicals in their brain. And it's like, I get it. That's a great feeling, but it lasts two to three years the most, then it totally goes away. And then your relationship is going to transform and change and morph in an eight or 10 or 12 or 15 years. It's going to be a completely different relationship anyway. And to be chasing the dragon of youth and beauty when it is so fleeting anyway, I, I just feel like there's a, there's a, a undercurrent of immaturity in a lot of people that are dating and can't find anyone. It's like, you're looking for something that, was important to you in your 20s and you still 
think it's important, but it's not. And I'm not saying you should date someone that's not attractive or anything. I'm not trying to tell people that, but it's just a matter of prioritizing and understanding that everyone is going to get old and less attractive. Everyone's less attractive at 65 than they were at 35. And, and men feel like they don't have an expiration date, but they do. Um, it's, it's later than women's, but men's expiration date, I have come to the conclusion is around 53, 55. That's when women start going, I don't really, he's too old for me. Even, even 50 year old women go 55, 56. Mm, he's too old for me. And a 40 year old definitely looks at a 55 year old guy and goes, Oh, he's too old. So, you know, I, I would say that people just need to be a little bit more realistic about what their options really are and thinking that I can have this entitlement of, I can have what I want because I want it and I deserve it. If the other side doesn't want you and you haven't had a history of it being successful, then it probably isn't a match. And the best thing? Oh, um, the best thing about dating in 2020. Um, longer to answer is probably not a ringing endorsement of the dating world but you know actually probably the most positive thing is I think that people in general are a little bit more I think men are a little bit more open to women being strong and independent and they do want curious, smart, independent women. The uprising of women, the Me Too movement happening, I think women are more empowered and they're making better choices for themselves. Men are becoming aware of this and they're slowly changing how they approach women. Um, I, I feel that millennial guys are a little bit more in tune with that because they're being socialized differently. They're growing up differently. They're being taught those values early on. Whereas guys who are in their forties and fifties weren't really taught that. So they're kind of late to the party a little bit, but you guys are getting there. Um, and not all of them are late to the party. Some of them are a little more woke. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, I feel that it's becoming more about, connection in a lot of ways and actually the pandemic has has made it more about connection too because I've had a lot more people not focusing on what's their body type are they fit what do they look like I want this exact look I like I'm attracted to this these qualities physically I mean women are like is he a good provider can he does does he know how to shoot a gun like if shit goes down am I with a dude that like can you know can protect me so it's getting a little bit more old school due to the pandemic but pandemic aside I do feel that it's just a little bit more about real connection whereas like people that got married in the 40s and 50s and 60s I, or maybe just forties and fifties, actually, I think it was more about like, you're a good partner. You're, you know, I need to get out of the house and you're going to be stable. So I think that men are a little bit more open to women that are secure and confident. And I hear that a lot from men. Like I really want like a badass woman who's like confident and cool and knows what she wants and is 
is self self-assured and I don't want someone who wants a man to take care of her. I can take care of her financially, but I don't want her to want that. I want a girl who's like cool and self-sufficient. And if I have kids, I want her to raise our daughters to be having that mindset. I want them to be evolved in that way. So, and that's awesome to me because I, I think that there can be, and used to be a lot of shallow, a lot of shallowness to dating, but I do see the tide turning a lot with, with the Me Too movement and the pandemic happening. So, yeah. Something to, to think positive about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. How might, well, firstly, when is the book launching, you know? You know? Um, I've been writing more now because of the pandemic. Like I'm just home. Like, I guess I'll write more pages. Uh, we're currently having it edited. So, and I'm not rushing it. I'm just like doing it for myself and, um, just wanted to jot down some of the things I've learned and share some of the stories. Uh, and yeah, so I don't, I wish I had a definitive timeline, but I really don't. And it's not a book that's I'm not motivated to finish the book for any purpose other than I want to get all of my ideas out and jot down all the things I've learned. And if anyone wants to buy it, cause they think that'll help them in their dating journey, then that's, that's the payoff for me. Well, so. you'll have to let me know and then I'll let the, my listeners know as well. Okay. Um, yeah. Thank you. How might people find you? I don't know. I guess I'm so not a social media person. Like I just kind of like keep my head down and work. Um, what if somebody but, wants to say, Hey, help me, <laughs> you know? And you know, I, I have an Instagram account cause I'm also a comedian. Like I said, so my Instagram handle is super catchy and, um, it's rockstar comic rockstar comic? comic. So that's cause I'm a songwriter and a comic. So, uh, yeah, if they want to reach me through that again, rockstar comic, it's super catchy and easy. Um, I'll put it on the links page. Yeah, <clears throat> is there some of your stand up on YouTube or anything that people can watch? No, <laughs> I'm really bad at self promotion here. I guess I need to work on that. I'm I'm so so much more interested in the content of what I'm doing and the, the results of what I'm doing. I'm just really uh, dropped the ball on the promotion and social media. <laughs> so, sorry, everybody, but uh, you'll have to really you have to come to a live show once we can all. I, pay, I play the comedy store all the time. Oh, wow. And uh, let me know. I would love to come see you. Oh, thanks. I'd love yeah. stand up. I do too. Big fan. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's something mm. I was really scared of and frightened to do and did it to overcome it. And then it snowballed and I kept getting more gigs and I was like, okay, I guess I'm a comedian now. And oh, then I'm, I'm like, I'm a comedian now. That. When did you start yeah. that? I started about seven months ago oh holy shit you're like brand new at it yeah like super super new and i did it because i you know i've been performing doing music my whole life and i was like being a comedian is so much more badass and so much more rock star than being a rock star it's so hard there is no guitar solo to hide behind you're on a stage with a mic there's no one else up there you're completely raw and i loved the how vulnerable it is because you're talking about your own shit it's so revealing and i just songs are too but you're speaking in metaphors a lot and you can like hide things and it can be interpreted in different ways and comedy is really straightforward like you're telling you're it's really about your opinions and you cannot hide from 
the shit you're talking about. So wow, I'm I excited. Love- I'm going to come see you because I've been trying to work up the courage to do stand up. So you're an inspiration to me. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I took a class and uh, at the class, I, I played the Hollywood Improv as my first show, which is crazy, but it was part of the class. And there was like 250 people it was like in the big room at the Hollywood Improv, which is also crazy. Where was the class? Was it like uh, Groundlings um, or something? It's, it was in L.A. I, I have to like look up the name. Um, but uh, it was great. And uh, when I played Hollywood Improv, somebody from the comedy store contacted me and said, I saw you at Hollywood Improv and I want you to play my, oh my show. Gosh. And I was like, what? Did you just I'm like, die? I was like looking behind my shoulder like, are you talking to me? What? That's wonderful. I was, I was kind of like, dude, I go, you know, I'm super new at this, right? Like I'm not, there were other people that are better than me. He's like, no, no, you got your own style. And I really liked what you were talking about. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I'll play the comedy store oh, in the yeah. in the original great. room. I'm like, you want to play the original room? I'm like, what? So yeah, then it was just so it, it's very different than music because music you work very very hard for a very 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 long time, and you're still playing like the bowling alley tour of America, you know. So I feel really lucky that I did it all here in LA I mean LA and Chicago would definitely be like the two places I'd want to be doing comedy and to see a trajectory happen um I'm glad it's in LA though because this is I just I love living here and I'm so inspired and amen sister it's a great town yeah it is and I'm glad I took the class and conquered a lifelong fear good for you yeah thank you awesome I dug this thank you so much Thank you so much. I appreciate you thinking that anything I have to say is worthy of a of, of a broadcast. I appreciate that. Absolutely. I hope people hope people enjoy it and learn something. And yeah, thank yeah, you so much. Absolutely. And uh, stay safe and be well. And I look forward to being able to see you in real life again. <laughs> For sure. Me too. Thank you, Susan. Thanks, Yuri. Okay. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye.